raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Special technique of shadow boxing. One o'clock hour on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you sticking around here with us for the next two hours. I just came from the Spectrum Center. Got a chance to talk with Kai Jones. We'll play that interview for you at two o'clock. Awesome to hear talk a little bit about how he's improved as a basketball player. How many shots he's putting up a day with the legendary shooting coach that is Bruce Kreitzer. We also have some news coming in from Jake Fisher going fishing, baby. For some news from Jake talking about Steve Clifford and how safe he is with the Charlotte Hornets. So here he is discussing it. Quote, league personnel are keeping an eye on Charlotte Hornets head coach Steve Clifford. The organization's present leadership structure has no intention of making a change on their bench. League sources told Yahoo Sports. Although his team owner Michael Jordan engages with minority partner Gabe Plotkin and former Hawks minority owner Rick Schnall, there remains the potential for a new ownership structure to oversee staffing changes and Clifford's short-term contract would present little obstacle for fresh Hornets leadership to pick a new play caller of its choosing. And so really what this says is that if the current ownership structure is here for another season, here during the offseason, going into next season, whatever, looks like Steve Clifford is going to be safe. I'm not surprised about that. Mm-hmm. If there is a changing of the guard and Kay Plotkin comes in and Rich Schnall comes in, that group becomes the new governor of the Charlotte Hornets. At that point, then I would imagine they make the change. I imagine they would go after a new coach. It doesn't mean that is 100% going to happen, mm-hmm. but that makes sense. You have new ownership. They're going to probably go after a new GM. I would expect that, especially with some of the reports that we've had the last couple of years about Mitch Kupchak possibly leaving, going into a different role within this Hornets organization. Mm. So that would make a lot of sense. I'll ask you, Wes, what have you made of the job Steve Clifford has done with this group this season? 26 wins as we have two more to go this weekend. I think he's done an admirable job, all things considered. I mean, what coach comes into a team and suffers the amount of injuries the Hornets have, especially to key players. I mean, good Lord. LaMelo's been gone most of the year. Terry's missed a ton of games. Uber's missed a ton of games. You pick a key Hornet, and they've missed a significant amount of games. If I had to put a letter grade on it, uh, I'm going to give him – I'll give him a C-plus to a B, maybe. I'm No, I'm going to be on point. C-plus. Uh, I'll give him that. I think at times – uh, when they have been healthy, they've they've had some head scratching moments, and it's hard to always pin it on the coach because you know what he's preaching. He's come in uh, after games and uh, talked about the things that he has really pounded the table for with this squad, and that they're just not doing it. And uh, so, with that said, I'm going to have a change of heart as I'm talking. I'm going to give him a B. I'm going to okay. go with that B. There you go. Because I think that he's been on them about the things that he wants them to do. They just hadn't been doing it when they've been healthy. But you look at the second half of the season, the improvement in the defense, which is the main thing that we wanted from Coach Cliff. He's delivered on that front. And so now we just need to see what he can do uh, with a full allotment as far as players available. And hopefully this team uh, can stay healthy. But he just came in against immeasurable odds this season, starting with LaMelo's injury to begin the season. Yeah, the, the season has gone as bad as it possibly could. 
And it started right before free agency when Miles Bridges was arrested for felony domestic violence. And after that happened, nothing was the same, especially with all of the injuries that were tacked on after it. If you go to the Hornets stats page on ESPN, basketball reference, your stat side of choosing, and you filter the games played category, let me tell you who the top five members, the most games played here for the Charlotte Hornets this season. P.J. Washington at 73, which that's valuable. Yes. The fact that he's been able to play over 70 games, he's not going to play anymore. Locked in at 73, but even still, that's impressive, especially this season. Next guy up, J.T. Thor has played in the second most amount of games this season at, uh, season at 67. Terry Rozier is next at 63. Nick Richards is next at 63. And how about this? Tied for fifth most games played on the season are two guys that got traded. Mm-hmm. Mason Plumley and Jalen McDaniels, 56 apiece. Those guys got traded, and they are in the top five for most games played this season. And they're locked in, by the way. Dennis Smith Jr. could come back and he would be top five, tying with those guys. Gordon Hayward at 50, Kelly Oubre 48, Bryce McGowan's at 44, Teo Maladone. Teo Maladone's played 42 games this year. The guy was absent for like three months straight, and Teo has 42. LaMelo comes in, obviously, at 36. Even Mark Williams entering the rotation late. He comes in at 41. I think Steve Clifford's done a great job, man. I really do. I mean, with this roster, the way that it shook out this season, they were without their top eight players this week. Top eight. That is more than a college rotation. They should have given us a, a deal. Ten day. I mean, that's nuts, right? I Absolutely. It would be awful basketball, not going to lie. <laughs> if you wanted to see me go out there and play, yeah. I'd suit up. I'd give it my best shot. But top eight being out, it provided us an opportunity to go out there and suit up. And that's why I'm going to give Steve Clifford the benefit of the doubt. And honestly, doesn't really need it with the way they've been playing the last month or so. They're on a three-game losing streak. Again, that's without pretty much everybody that you would normally put in your rotation. But the fact that you that you do have the best transition defense post-All-Star break, you were number one in defensive rating for a while going into OKC post-All-Star break. You've seen the growth from JT Thor. That's been nice to see this season as it went on. Kai Jones is finally getting out there, providing some opportunity. Kai Jones has been active defensively. I like what you have in Bryce McGowan's. And this is a team that is... 100% bought in despite nothing going right this year. Go back to all the other teams that are tanking. The Spurs, you have Greg Popovich, but even with Pop, you can't get anywhere out of the bottom. Houston, it's been a complete dumpster fire with what's going on over there. And Detroit, they were built to lose from the jump. And, and this was a team that doesn't have Kate Cunningham all year long. Jalen Duran was missing some time as a guy that actually contributed. What the Hornets have done has been pretty admirable. And for them to have 26 wins, fourth best lottery odds, they're locked into that spot. But it's actually a decent amount of wins to have that uh, good of a lottery odd to get the number one overall pick as well. Yeah, they've had moments. I mean, when they've been complete or had enough guys to go out there and compete, they've played, you know, pretty well, especially offensively. They've, they've had their uh, long stretches where the, the shooting has been abysmal, but a lot yeah. of that has been no LaMelo out there to set guys up, find them in their sweet spots where they can knock down shots. Uh, but other than that, I think you've gotten about as much out of this team as you could ask for. Uh, and, and the big thing I, I give Cliff the credit for as well is just the effort that this team puts up. 
you know, they've definitely have the have had their share of blowouts. Uh, but for the most part, this team, they're not going to quit. They're going to come out there and play uh, as hard as, ne- as necessary. And I think that, you know, this could come back to be a blessing in disguise for them next season if they're able to stay healthy because guys have gotten so many valuable minutes. Well, and, and you talk about this too. 803 number wrote in, do we want those wins? I'd rather have Detroit's record. You wouldn't rather just questioning me. Would I rather have Detroit's record? I'm cool with it. You've, you've got the fourth best lottery odds, right? Detroit, San Antonio, Houston, all of them have a 14% shot at getting the number one overall pick. Charlotte has a 12 and a half. Yeah. You're talking about one and a half percentage difference there with veterans, with 26 wins. And look, man, I, this, is, this is where fans don't quite know what they want. When you're a fan and you're ready to do the whole tanking thing, you want to watch basketball the way it's been played the last three games, every single game for an 82-game season. Man, that, it's too painful for me. Look, if, if you're going to talk about, okay, do you want to be one of three teams, by the way? You don't have the best odds. You're tied for the best odds. So do you want to have outright the worst record to be tied with two other teams to have a 14% shot at the number one overall pick? Or do you want to get some wins, build some type of winning culture that isn't just, hey, we're okay losing every single game, yep. have veterans on the roster, and be at a 12.5 point shot to get the number one pick? I'll tell you what I'm choosing. Give me the fourth best odds where the season isn't a complete dumpster fire compared to what you have with Houston, San Antonio. Look, it went about as bad as it possibly could. I'm not getting it twisted. But comparing it to those other teams, you're in a better spot as far as having some of these veterans. You're going to have money coming off of the books. And if you get Victor Wembanyama, the turnaround can be quicker than what it is with those three teams. Well, coming into this season, I thought uh, they would be a lottery team or maybe a a low-end play-in team. Remember when the San Antonio Spurs got Tim Duncan, David Robinson got hurt, they had a horrible season, and then voila, they were right back as championship contenders and turned into uh, one of the dynasties of recent memory. Mm -hmm. So for the Hornets, do you really think that if they'd have been at full strength, that this team would be sitting where they are in that top four for odds? I don't think so. I didn't think the Hornets would have been that bad, especially if they would have had Miles Bridges uh, back in the fold as well with the way he was ascending as a player. So I think that this could be one of those blessings in disguise, Walker, and that's why that you cannot be, uh, you know, down on getting the number one pick. That's why you have to believe this could all be in the cards. It will make for a great NBA documentary (laughs) about the year that got the Hornets Victor Wembenyama. 100%. It would be great to get Victor Wembenyama. And the other thing you bring up, if this team was at full health, you would be in that middle ground area. Yeah. Because do you think the Hornets, with Miles Bridges not being arrested, and you have everybody else at full health, LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward plays 65 games, whatever. Do you think the Hornets with that roster are better than the Atlanta Hawks in the eight seed, 41 and 39? You think they are better than Atlanta, Fitty? Yeah, because I don't think Trey Young and uh, DeJounte Murray mesh the way we thought they, they were going to mesh. They've and been a disappointment. For sure, but they have, a cho- they have a shot to go 43 wins with the last couple in the, in the regular season. So... 43-37 is Miami in the seventh spot. Do you think they're better than Miami? I think so this year. Yeah, well, yeah. with this Miami team? Yeah. I think you guys are trying to remember expectations and then not applying it to the actual win total. Like, if I were to ask you to give a over-under on the wins for that team, you're telling me you would go 45 for the Hornets? 
Like they're five games away from 50 wins. Well, I mean, dude, I, I, I said last year when you fired JB, 50 wins had to be the expectation. Well, sure, but to, to, you, to, I don't to think ad- they were going to get it. To, to adequately justify firing him. Like, but you, know. you, but okay, even so, but you wouldn't put 50 wins on this team. Like that was not the over under. It wasn't for Vegas. Yeah, no. I mean, like, I mean, I thought before everything happened, I thought forty eight would have been in play. Like, had they been fully intact and they Steve Clifford made the defensive adjustments he made to this team, I thought forty eight was reasonable. I, I mean, I thought at best, like you said, the Hawks are they better than the Heat? As far as on paper, yeah, I think they're more talented basketball teams uh, than them. But as far as like I said, coming into the season, I thought at full strength, they they still had a little bit of learning to do, and then the defensive woes. I wasn't sure if they could fix that. So I thought that probably uh, a similar result as far as a low-end play-in team or lottery team was going to be their destiny. High-end high, high end lottery, low-end play-in. Yeah, we'll see what happens this offseason. 704-570-9610. Tell us what you think the Hornets could have done with a full roster and if you'd rather actually have one of these bottom records like Detroit, like Houston, or San Antonio, or if you're cool doing a 1.5% chance difference at getting Victor Wembanyama while winning a few more games along the way. We have plenty more to get to here on Wes and Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. We're still talking about Wimby. Oh, we're dreaming, man. I Look, I know people are worried about he's going to break because we don't. That doesn't make sense. The 7'4 body weighing like, I don't even know how much he weighs, but he is he is tiny as far as the weight goes. I probably weigh more than him, right? And how much do you weigh? Do you want to share that? A little over two bills. <laughs> How much over two bills? <laughs> You're the one that asked. I don't know. You got to tell us if you want to guess, uh, if you want us to guess on how much he weighs. That's okay, though. Over two bills. That's fine. Wimby is is uh, slated at 230. 74, 230. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not 230. Well, I'm 220, 225. Even after the fella health? Even after fella health. <laughs> after, after I... Was working with a personal coach and talking to them through an app that I get to dictate when I talk to them at F-E-L-L-A, fellowhealth.com. Even mm-hmm. after all of that, Boom. I'm still 225. And so if I'm five pounds less at 6'6", that guy's almost a foot taller than me, already a pretty tall dude, and he's only five pounds heavier, I get it. I get that it doesn't make sense. Like, I'm, I'm not angry at anybody that looks at that and says, whoo, that thing's going to break pretty quickly, but... He also gave you a put-back dunk on a step-back three. Please tell me you guys saw the highlight. I got to see that. I saw the clip came up the other day. I've seen some of the other stuff that he's been doing lately. I saw he had a Sports Center Top 10 play uh, a couple of days ago, and I saw some other stuff. But I've got to see that. I remembered uh, seeing that come through from Wes, Bleacher Report. Wes, I don't know. Look at it right now. If Wes, I don't know if y'all heard me. I'm, I'm going to say this again. The dude gave you a put-back dunk. Almost from the free throw line off of a missed step back three. No, you have not seen that before. I have not seen that before. 
I would love for that to be in the teal. I'm and about the, to look at it right now. The Hornets jersey doing that, I would melt. I, my brain would explode. Boom. No more lockdown Hornets because I died. It'd be crazy. Is, I watched that. Oh. I, you've never seen it. It's never happened. This is crazy. <laughs> it's nuts. Like that. Then, first of all, the handles he put. And this is the thing that people say when they're like, oh, you know, it's overrated, whatever. He has a guy that's probably about half his size out there, guard. He has this guy hustling as hard as he can to keep up with him, and he is shaking him. Then he gets the step back three. And, oh. It's it's nasty. It's disgusting. He's the greatest prospect ever. In my opinion, of all time, but as that's far not. As, but that's not crazy. Like that's not even really a hot take. It's not. You've but, had you've had Ralph Sampson, Hakeem was a little like that. But Michael, Michael was great. But he was drafted third for yeah. A reason. For my, I mean, like I said, Le, LeBron is probably Le, the next guy you say as far as NBA. LeBron, AD was close, but not not like yeah. that. Um, KD Zion was so interesting. Well, KD it was, was ill. Well, but it was Greg Oden or or KD because remember Greg Oden was number one and Kevin Durant. But was is this two. as far as that guy that we haven't seen before? Like you said, that's outside of the paradigm of what you would think a traditional player should be. LeBron in high school, the body, the skills. But that all made sense that he had, right? Like that's that's the thing that all made sense to us because he is six eight because he did move fine because he already wait was, fine. What are you talking about? I'm talking about LeBron. No, I know. I'm you saying said he moved fine. No, he moved <laughs> moved very, very well, right? Like they were saying, Victor Wembanyama. We're worried about how he's going to move in the NBA. Mm-hmm. If he's going to get broken. No, there was nothing just fine about LeBron. Let me reword that. Everything was crazy, well, but it, it all it, but it all made sense. His career's been just fine. And that's that's right, right. Compared to MJ's, of course, it's been just fine. It's been okay. Kind of like a MJ's. Space Jam movie was fine. But no, my, my point being, I, I think LeBron. People were there. There was zero questions about LeBron. I mean, zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying as far as the body and the game that he had, because we hadn't seen yeah. many high school kids. His, right. I mean, he was 225, 230 in high school. He was a man amongst boys already, but he played like a point guard. And it was like, okay, we had, like you see guys in high school, they might be 6'8 in high school, but they might be 190, 200 and be a point forward. Mm-hmm. This guy was 6'8, every bit of 230 already. He was ready to come in the league and dominate, and he showed us that from the very beginning, from his very first game. Well, and it, it's like, look, man, there's so many people that are going to be worried about his injury, and then there are the people that are going to push back. Well, look, nothing is a sure thing, and then they'll tell you some of the top prospects that didn't hit. Okay, fine. All of that is to suggest that this is a perfect process. Nobody's here to tell you that. Yeah, anything could happen at any different draft pick, but this is as sure of a thing as you could get with the skill. The guy guards pick and rolls by himself. It is the most nuts thing I've ever seen on defense. Giannis is close. Giannis is pretty crazy, too. We saw him with the big block against Phoenix when it looked like that alley-oop was about to cement a victory for the Suns. Nope, Giannis came in and took that away. Okay, now picture that, except five inches taller. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine (laughs) the Spectrum Center with him and LaMelo? Dude, he's going to make the team worth a billion dollars more. more. Rocking nightly. Walker, would you buy a Victor Webinyama jersey? Because you're very anti-wear-another-man's-name-on-your-back type of guy. I mean, look, I oh, listen, hate, do you judge me for all the I jerseys that, that I wear? No, I don't. He does. No, quietly. I do quietly, <laughs> and I'm going to do it in your face. No, <laughs> the thing is, 
I just don't. I'm just not the big Jersey guy. Yeah. I'm just not. So, no, I wouldn't draft. I'm much more of a caricature type of T-shirt guy. Okay. Like, I've got the Mason Plumlee T-shirt. Well, yeah. You know, so I've got Mason Plumlee shooting the left-handed jumper because it's hilarious. And also, it's a caricature. I'm just not. Yeah, I'm just not the big Jersey guy. Plus, jerseys don't fit me well. My my arms are long and skinny, but my body's not so skinny. It's like weird fits for me. I think it's funny, though, because jerseys and urban culture have always been a thing, and that's why I think I don't get a lot of grief for it because, you know, like I said, in, in urban culture, jerseys <laughs> have just always – they've never gone out of style. Like, like you've you th- always worn jerseys. You think, you, think because, you think because you're black, you walk in, or everybody's yes. like, all right, cool. I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah, and that might be true. It's a thing, you know. Well, it's not like I'm looking at you like, hmm, black guy, that's eh, okay. Yeah, it's just the culture. <laughs> I mean, I've grown up wearing jerseys from the jump, and like I said, in urban culture, they've never gone out of style. Like, they, you never see the black guys hating on each other like, why do you yeah. have that jersey on? Like, it's just understood. Well, and everybody wears jerseys. Yes, right? but, but then no, you have no, some people who are more, like, feel like you feel, mm-hmm. and like, oh, if you get to a certain age or if you... That's uh, my it's thing. It's a certain thing, too, and it's like urban culture look, never goes out of style. Call me weird. Call me egotistical. All that's good. I'm not going to hate you for wearing a jersey. Anybody that likes to wear the jerseys to the games, yeah. that's totally fine. Fitty's wearing a jersey as we speak. Yeah. It's all good. You wear jerseys all the time. Yes. I'm not hating. It's just not really what I do, but I will go back to the nostalgia, and I'll wear some of the classic jerseys. Yes. Pretty. I mean... It's not even like I wear them frequently, but that's just what I have in my you, closet. You have some? Yeah, you have some, right? The old ones. Okay. I've, the, You've the, never rocked them, yeah, You need to bust some of them out. I've got a Julius Peppers one. I've got a Panthers Julius Peppers one. I have a Cam one. That's the newest athlete jersey that I have is a Cam Newton what else one. You got basketball, though, surely. Oh, man, I've got a ton. I've got yeah, a ton. What are you waiting on? I've got a, you want me to wear a basketball one? They're a little we small. We work in sports. They're a little small. Because that's one of the reasons I wear mine a lot. I'm like, I work in sports, so yeah. I'm going to wear a jersey to work. No, it makes sense. Well, I'm wearing the Charlotte Hornets yeah. cutoff No, but I want to see the Are all of them too small? or A lot of them are pretty small, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, would, I would come in here, and you would absolutely see the, the belly curves. Hey, look, Flounder's made that fashionable, though. Like, like, don't be afraid to let your gut hang out. Like, Flounder comes in with shirts two sizes too small. Dang, just throw his dog on why, why are you coming Damn. after Flounder like that in his body a couple days in a row? I just want you, to be, I want you to be comfortable in your body. And I want, I want to see you in a jersey. I think we should have, like, jersey day on the show. I mean, I, I'm cool to contribute to that. So the best jerseys I have, I have a Joe Dumars USA jersey, oh, which is pretty, yeah. My brother's had that's that. That's a nice one. Yeah, Joe, it was the it was the second iteration of that's, the Dream oh, Team, so I think. Did you buy that? No, it was my brother's. So my brother's okay. are 10, 12 years older, okay. much older than I am. So he was a big Joe Dumars fan, because that's not a jersey no. you hear people say that they oh, have from he, the Dream Team. No, no, well, and it's not even, it's like the second iteration or whatever, but, so they're from Indianapolis, Okay. and so they have a bunch of the Olympic Olympic venues there. They'll practice mm-hmm. before they go travel, whatever, and so they went to go see a scrimmage that was open to the public, and then they had a bunch of USA gear, and so one of my brothers got Dumars, and... We had the big poster in the background, too, of the room. And so, yeah, we, we got a lot of the USA gear. I was trying to think, Wes, what was my Joe Dumars take that made you leave? Yeah, oh. you said that he could shut down oh. Kevin Durant, I think I, you said. I think you might have said he yeah. would lock up LeBron James. I think you yeah, said that. Yeah, it was either him or KD. <laughs> it was him or KD, and I just had, I just, I couldn't take it. We, neither one of us, there, there are some bad takes that will get us mad, and then we'll argue. <laughs> and then there are some where we just shut down because we don't know what to do with it. Shut down. And we just yeah. we hadn't we couldn't compute like yeah. Joe Dumars. I mean, yeah, he gave Jordan a hard time. 
I give him that. He was a great player, great defender. I know the old heads on the text line are going to really come in now with that nostalgia, but not. He needed a healthy dose of Bill Lambeer. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love Bill Lambeer. Oh, he's the Lambeer worst. Lambeer making a roster today. <laughs> Bill Lambeer's the worst, man. I mean, nobody, and, and still so salty in any of the documentaries that go back. I mean, when you go back and then you watch the Bad Boys documentary and it's still Bill Lambeer, I don't mind not shaking their hand. Stay foot in the ground. Like, Dumar's cool. It's the only guy that Michael actually likes from that team. Finn John Sally, Dennis Rodman, I guess, different, too, because he played with him. But Isaiah, he can't stand. Even Isaiah has talked about how he should have shook the hands of the Bulls, but not Bill Lambeer. Lambeer might have had one of the worst video games ever, too. I didn't. I probably don't remember that. He had a Super Nintendo game back in the day. Oh, that sounds awful. And it was like, but it was like futuristic basketball. That was the thing about it. It was like you were like in space and you weren't wearing like regular uniforms. You were wearing like these crazy space. Look, look up Bill Lambert basketball. He could shoot. It was crazy. He could shoot. I just like that video game. He turned game. into a pretty good coach too. Didn't he win a, a couple of WNBA titles? He did. He did. Bill Lambert. The thing about that video game, does every button just translate to foul? <laughs> Elbow. <laughs> Foul, yeah, it was think, foul, technical I, foul. Yeah, there it is right there. You see the cover of it? No, I'm, I'm about to look it up. What did you have to say? I was going to say, did y'all see Isaiah Thomas? Because, I mean, now we're just I going did. like in the, complaining about MJ just putting him on blast in the last dance documentary. I think I saw something about that because he was responding to people on Twitter and Charles walking. It was called Bill Lambert's Combat Basketball. <laughs> oh, it, it would be called Combat. Yeah, amazing. Combat Basketball, and it was very futuristic. You were wearing like RoboCop-style <laughs> uniforms in the game. It's fantastic. Yeah, just look it up. You played this? I did. I rented it because uh, Back then, you could rent whole systems too, and I rented the Super Nintendo, and I got Bill Lambert basketball. If you take nothing, Trash. if you take nothing from this radio program today, <laughs> please take that Bill Lambert had a basketball video game out there. Yep. I could have guessed a million different athletes, and I never would have guessed Bill Lambert. Yep. But yes, that was add, what foul. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's what I'm saying. All the buttons translate to foul. Flagrant, technical, intentional, whatever moving kind screen. of foul. Yeah, moving screen, big time. Excellent one. Yes, that's great. You had to slide. There were different codes. You had to slide your, your stick to one area of the floor yeah. and then just press this, and then it would be, yep, a moving screen on Bill Lambeer. Mm-hmm. 704-570-9610. <laughs> we promised you some Carolina Panthers conversation. Let's actually get to it and then please the tease, if you will. We talked about Jeremy Fowler saying how Carolina really has held on to their number one pick. They're not telling anybody. Only a couple people in that organization know who that pick is going to be. And you have to imagine Scott Fitterer is one of those guys. The question is, Wes, do you think Scott Fitterer is the GM most under pressure in this NFL draft, having that number one overall selection? Yeah, I think so. I think one of the great things about this offseason, or maybe not so great if you're Scott Fitterer, is that for one, you know, because of the fact that there is no de facto number one guy that everybody says if you pick him, he should be this. And if he's not, you get a little bit of a pass for it. This is going to be a huge pick for him because he has to pick the right guy. If you pick C.J. Stroud and he doesn't end up being great and Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young end up being studs, you're going to get flack. Any combination of any of these quarterbacks becoming great and you don't pick one of them, then yes, you're probably going to be out of a job and you're probably going to catch hell for it. Also, these offseason additions that he's made, uh, 
these are going to show up as well. We've been lauding him for these things. A lot of people have been giving him uh, credit for how great this team is. But we see in sports all the time something that's supposed to be great can quickly turn into something not so great. And then he's going to get all of the blame. If this coaching staff doesn't show up, well, you hired these guys. This was supposed to be this great of a staff. You you brought in Adam Thielen, uh, you know. I'm not going to – I don't care about that stuff when people say, don't put that in the atmosphere. What? You know what I'm saying? Oh, but I'm like, things can happen with Adam jinx. Thielen where he doesn't end up uh, being a guy no, that comes realistic. in and contributes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. any of these signings cannot work out, and it's going to fall at the feet of one Scott Fitterer. But number one, starting with the draft, no pun intended, it is going to be the quarterback that he selects. He's got to get it right because if you don't – a couple of these guys are going to make an example out of you because everybody's not going to be a bust. Somebody's going to be great. Maybe mm-hmm. two of these guys, maybe three, maybe all four. hundred percent. I'm sorry. I'm a little shook from Panther Cliff's text. He said, for those who tuned in right when you said slide your stick, you may need to explain that context uh, to them. I saw Fitty make and so a I face. I tried to look at Fitty, and yeah. I, I didn't see him make a face. So I thought we were in, uh, in I, the clear. I oh, no, I did. I couldn't think of joystick <laughs> quickly enough, and I went with <laughs> stick. And it, it that's, was still, a, that's still a bad yeah, one. Look at it. Look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Now you're stretching. <laughs> no, we know we know what a joystick is. All right, I need to really work on my yes. phrasing. As far as GMs in the NFL with the most pressure, <laughs> I'm not going to go Scott Fitterer. Give me Chris Ballard with Indianapolis. Oh, no, you said the most. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. going to go with Fitterer as the most. Yeah, no, that's – yeah, right. Like most, G, most pressure for a GM. Scott Fitterer, it's a good one. I mean, he got a hit on your number one pick. You're going after a franchise QB. Give me Chris Ballard, though, because here you are at number four, and this is fresh off a season. Everybody thought you were actually going to be pretty good. Everybody thought the Colts were going to get to the postseason because you had everything else in place, and now you had what would turn out to be the corpse of Matt Ryan, but we didn't think that at the beginning. So now here you are, towards the top of the NFL draft, higher than you've been in a long time, and you have a quarterback that you can choose because there are literally four that are considered to go top here. So if you miss on this, This is the one thing, the one thing that has eluded Chris Ballard as a GM. He fixed the offensive line. Michael Pittman, a good enough receiver. He's done some stuff with T.Y. Hilton, I think, when he was there. He's done a good job at everything else but getting your future QB. Now you're at number four. Wes, if Chris Ballard doesn't get his guy, if he doesn't get a franchise quarterback and after one year, two years go by and he is not the man, Ballard's gone. Because think about how much time he's had to move off of what was a nice foundation. And I like his ideas. I like his philosophy. More bites at the apple. Trade down. Get as many picks as possible. Then use those picks to address multiple holes on your roster. The defense has actually gotten a lot better. He shows that he's even willing to go after stars when he got your boy DeForest Buckner, right? Like, it's not only asset collection, but he has not been able to get the QB. That's why I think Chris Ballard has the most. Do you think that... They need to make a move to go up to three because if Tennessee goes up in ahead of him, like there's rumors out there that they yeah. might, and then he has to settle for the fourth best guy on the board. I mean, does that mean there might have to be some desperation there to move up? Because if you go down and you end up with Will Levis, which I mean, not the worst consolation prize, but then if he if he ends up getting him and it doesn't work out, he's like, well, you know, we kind of got put in a position where I had to settle for the fourth best guy. Like, what do you think in those circumstances? Do they need to move up to three? I don't think they need to move up. I think they will. And I think it's all going to be, need to. I, I think it's all Jim Irsay driven too. Mm-hmm. Because if you heard those press conferences, it was weird. Jim Irsay was telling you that 
he would not mind at all moving up in the draft and, in fact, even pushing for it. But that pushes against the philosophy Ballard has. He's all about moving back in the draft. He made that joke, and then Jim Ursay gave him a side eye, kind of joking, like they've clearly had this conversation before. And Ursay has been a good owner in the sense of giving guys time, right? He gave Frank Reich time. After Carson Wentz, when that decision was not good, he gave him time again, didn't work out, fired him midseason. He's given Ballard some time, and Ballard deserved it. He did a good job of getting rid of the mess that was Ryan Grigson, who was one of the worst GMs that we've had in the past two decades or so. The guy was absolutely awful, and Ballard did a good job. But you haven't landed the QB. It's time to take a step up, or at least give your fan base hope of taking that next step. Real quick, rapid fire before we get to the Fitty Flash. Any chance they take Hendon Hooker instead of Will Levis if that situation arises? Not in top five. They could, but but to your point, maybe they do the Ballard thing, trade back, and then take Hendon Hooker. But I don't think they'll take Hendon Hooker at top five. Mm-hmm. You think he could be top five by this season? I've seen my drafts with him in the five because I've, I've seen p- people having him linked to Seattle. Okay, well, I mean that would be that would be high. I like Hendon Hooker a lot because I like him better than Will Levis, way better. Yeah, I know. I know multiple people do. Yeah, and Hendon was awesome. But if last you like year. him better than Levis, why not take him? In front. Yeah, 704-570-9610. That's the Garage Door Guru text line. Feel free to share your thoughts and comments. Fitty can do the same with the second Fitty Flash. What you got for us, Fitty? Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Going to go back to the Masters. <laughs> Brooks Kepka, 12 under. He is done for the day. So good. Sam Bennett, the amateur. He's now in a tied for second. He is 7 under par for the tournament. 3 under today through 13. John Rahm, he's seven under, even through one. Victor Hovland, guy who set the pace yesterday, he's still seven under. It's still Hovland. But Is it Hovland? Okay. Because, okay, I've heard Hovland and Hovland. Who have you heard Hovland from? Doesn't, I don't think you have. I think you just said that. Say who I, I heard th- it from. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, uh, they, You know, I'm trying to see where where our guy, Mr. Woods, is because he has teed off to start his his second round. He is plus two. He is even through two. But right now... Right now, he would make the he he would make the weekend. He the the projected cut is plus two. Right. Right now, Mister Fifteen Tiger Woods, he's plus two. There's on the still tournament. a lot of golf left today, so we'll see if anybody's able to pass Kepka. What's what's the stroke lead he has on the next guy up there as far as the updates go, or did you already exit out? He's got five strokes. Okay, there you go, Brooks Kepka up at the top. We'll see if Tiger Woods can make the cut. More to come on Weston Walker next. Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Queen City, it is, or this is, the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. There we go, baby. Hit that follow button on social media, the Wesson Walker Twitter. 
the WFNZ Twitter and the WFNZ Instagram just dropped that real breaking down. Cam Newton clarifying. Well, he kind of clarified. He got into yeah. it with Shannon Sharp again. He responded to what Shannon Sharp said about him yesterday, saying his arrogance was insufferable. And so Cam responded back again and said, let me spin the block and tell you why I gave the list and said it how I said. So you guys go over there and check out uh, my response to all of that. Why is Shannon Sharp going so hard on Cam Newton these days, man? Uh, I think that just Shannon Sharp and the, the standing that he has in him being a Hall of Fame player and just the, the type of guy, you know, he was a very workmanlike type of guy. And I just think that he finds Cam to be a bit arrogant and the things that he says are not having a lot of self-awareness to kind of understand where he's at as a player. So, so where are you on this too? Because Cam did twist it and say, look, those guys that I mentioned, and I believe him, by the way, mm -hmm. the guys that he mentioned on that list, a lot of them were young mm -hmm. and a lot of them seemed to be more of a mentor role that he was willing to take on Yeah, because Cam also told you he doesn't think there are 32 quarterbacks better than he is in the world. And he deserves a starting QB spot in the NFL. But with all of those young QBs that he was mentioning to you, it felt like some mentorship purpose where even he brings in Malik Willis. And so for me, there are plenty of people on the text line talking about Malik Willis isn't even the starter, which is true. But doesn't that go to show you what he's willing to do? That, that speaks more to what Cam's idea is here. It's the fact that he thinks he can provide some advice for some of the QBs out there, whether it be the dual threat, whether it, I mean, look, the first, what, nine QBs he mentioned were minority QBs. And then when he gets to QBs that are white, it's Josh Allen, it's Aaron Rodgers, and then it's Sam Howell, which Sam Howell is interesting because he's with his former coach in Ron Rivera. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think what Cam has is the idea that what you have is young QBs that the franchise are trying to go forth with. And so if that is your era, he understands starting with those young guys and he's there to help. And so if you are Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen, among the best QBs in the league, he knows what his place is. I don't think Cam has anything crazy twisted here. Mm -hmm. I think those I think those QBs that he mentioned that he would back up were either good enough for him to clearly not take the job from, or he's understanding what his role is, saying, look, I can be a teacher to some of these younger QBs while those guys go out there on the football field and I can help them on the sideline. I can bring out the tablet and then point out on film why you should have made this decision. I can help them off of the field, handle the pressure that might be coming towards you being that number one or younger uh, quarterback within the franchise. So I don't have any problem with what Cam Newton is saying. Sure, he's always going to bring you the theatrics. That's Cam Newton. Yeah. That's who the dude is. But I didn't hear as far as the content goes. I didn't think I I didn't hear anything that was problematic in my opinion. I think his presence just looms so large. I think that, you know, even if he is the backup, that people still want to see him just because the presence uh, that he has. And then the things that he said, like on the tape before his workout, saying randoms getting jobs and, and saying things as if he's still. And I think that's the thing Shannon Sharp has the biggest issue with. And the thing that I kind of said as well. Now, the excerpt of just if you just listen to the list, it does smack of lack of self-awareness. And if the beggars can't be choosers type of deal. And that's why I felt like, you know, at this point, I felt like he could just quietly go about trying to get another job. Don't necessarily 
have to give a list and just kind of take whatever job you're given and then show us you still got it and go from there. But, you know, because he said that the guys that he left off the list, it means that either you're that guy or he low-key feels like let's compete and I can take that job. Yeah. And so I think that just based off what we saw from Ken the last time we've seen him in an NFL uniform, I think that he should just kind of chill and just be more like, you know, I'll just come in and do whatever's needed and not tech, talk about taking uh, somebody's job because the way you looked the last time we saw you, you didn't look really kind of in the quarterback shape to take anybody's job. So I think that maybe that's where he's coming from. That's kind of what I think about it. I get the clarification uh, that he gave, and it did sound admirable in some ways. I just feel like that he just really was kind of a shell of himself of what we've seen him be capable of. And so for him to think that he could go in and take a starter's job off of what we saw last, I think was a little bit much. Well, and and for sure, look, the the, the way that all this crumbles down is the QBs he didn't mention. And then if we're really going to try to dissect this, he didn't mention Joe Burrow. He didn't mention Dak Prescott, which I know there are Cowboy fans that are, you know, maybe even willing to move on from Dak, but Cam's not better than Dak. But wasn't that interesting? Like he, you know, cause he, 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 you know, he identified virtually every black starting quarterback in the NFL and he left out Dak Prescott. What? Well, well, some of this too, to me, is just. Well, him he not- said some guys he thinks you're entrenched as the starter. Yeah, that's why that's, he feels like point. there's no benefit. Which is a key point, and I bet that's what Dak Prescott comes into. You're, you're right, but that's a key point that Wes brings up, which we shouldn't have avoided until now, or I just forgot to bring it up. But that is correct. That a lot of this because of the quarterbacks being entrenched in that role. At the same time, he talked to you about who he'd be a backup for. Okay, the other teams are quarterbacks that are entrenched in the starting role, and then some of them he thinks he can go compete. I think he pretty much covers his bases, right? Like, to me, it's not that I think Cam Newton's list is admirable. I'd say, oh, look, he's trying to come in and help these young whippersnappers. <laughs> well, Jared Cinnamon in uh, yeah. Las Vegas or something like that. I'm not, I'm not trying to think, like, oh, well, good Jimmy for G. you, Cam. I'm not trying to spin it that way. That yeah. is a complete 180. But I don't listen to that list and think that Cam is this really arrogant dude. I don't listen to that, and, and based off the content, who the names actually are, I don't listen to that and think, oh, here's Cam thinking he's hot bleep, just wanting to come in and start. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, didn't think all. that far. I didn't think that far. Now, one guy was speculating because he said either you're entrenched or let's compete. Oh, I like this. Reckless speculation. Let's go. Reckless speculation. Russell Wilson. <laughs> After the year that Russell Wilson had, do you think one. he looks at a guy that is entrenched and he's respecting what Russ did in the past? Oh, that's or did Cam question. watch him and say, with what he put on tape last year, I can go in there and compete and maybe beat him out? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I, because because these guys are rivals a little bit. And yeah. plus, plus, Russell being really corny. Do you think Cam likes Russell Wilson, especially with that being a little bit of a rivalry yeah. between those two franchises? Wes, I'm going to say that he thinks he could win that job. I think so, too. Yeah, 100%. All right, full-on arrogance once again. I flip it. <laughs> he wants that Denver Broncos starting job. Uh, Let's see. Davis Mills, uh, well, they're going to have another quarterback. He already said but the that, rookie. Yeah, I'm right. trying to go down the list and see. Can he pick it? Oh, he f- he feels like he can beat Kenny Pickett right now. Think he feels like he can beat Kenny Pickett right now. I mean, but he's entrenched, isn't he? Kind of entrenched, but he's not entrenched to the point. There's still questions about Kenny Pickett. Pittsburgh still is nation. Mm-hmm. They have faith in him, but they're not sitting there saying, man, we're going to wreck shot with Kenny Pickett. Here's one year. for you. Here's one for you. What about Geno? I think he, 
I think he looked at what Gino did last year. I don't think he could go in there and beat Gino out. Plus, Gino just oh, got no, a big bag. I don't think so either. I'm oh, not, okay. Uh, I don't think Back up. that he could go in and beat Gino Smith. I don't think that he could. My question is, does Cam Newton think that Gino got a really nice opportunity with that mm. Seattle team at 30 years old or over, yeah. does he feel like he could have done the same thing or something close to Gino with that opportunity? That's my I, I could lean to that. Okay, let's say uh, Jared Goff, your guy. Oh, I bet he thinks he could beat Jared Goff. Oh! <laughs> I think so, 100%. Okay, Jared Goff. I was just going to say, dude, I would love to hear a Dan Campbell, Cam Newton press conference. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, could yeah. you imagine all the cliches? Like, I mean, like, Cam Newton feels like a Dan Campbell guy. And then you he put does. him in Detroit. Like he does. the thing is, like, dude, the city of Detroit would rally and embody everything Cam Newton is is about and would be about. Last guy I would say, Derek Carr. Yeah, I don't know. I think because they signed him, he understands what it is. I don't think Cam. Mm. I don't think. I don't think Cam Newton is going to go to New Orleans and and expect to win that job. Plus, that'd be weird, right? If you go within the division, well, he, he would do it. He'd become Scam Newton again. Yeah, people wouldn't like it. Oh, and I think for sure, no question, last guy, Baker Mayfield in Tampa. Oh, I, I think mean, he yeah. thinks for sure he could go to Tampa and get that Can job. Can you imagine if Cam went to Tampa and started for that team <laughs> instead of Baker, and then you had to face him as the starting QB? Well, we already they already had that when the Reds. I mean, but when Mac the Jones. Commanders came. But well, yes, but but even we we almost got Cam Newton against the Panthers, I believe, right when he was starting for New England. But then um, Mac Jones took over as that starting QB, and then eventually it was Mac Jones versus Carolina. Yeah, what I believe am I that's true. About? They played the Commanders when he was with the Panthers. So that's right. I don't know where my head was at. It's right all right. There. That right. just means we need to go to break. Okay, that's fine. That's you take right. us there, man. All right. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk about the Panthers' needs outside of quarterback. More 39-pick talk on the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.